medium-sized guy. I can take it on. I want some constructive feedback with respect to things that we need to maybe change or whatever. And, and your mindset towards this needs to be, if I was a new member, what would I need to hear in this class? I mean, what what aspects of how this class goes down could I really offer a good constructive criticism for or a suggestion in terms of maybe how, something to a way to amend it? Um, so I will tell you that I'm even finding my way through this uh, because I, I, I tell you, it's all I can do to not want to take off and teach on these concepts. Uh, but I want to iterate again, really the purpose of this class is not necessarily to teach. The purpose of this class is to let you know where we stand as a church. So if you just picture yourself being new members coming in or potentially seeking to be new members or new fellows <laughs> after our discussion last week, um, you would think to yourself, oh, okay, based on what I just heard on terms of what they consider to be the non-negotiables or the things, the tenets of faith, the doctrines that they consider to be very core to their structure and what they believe, I can align with that and move forward with them in the vision that God has. And so that's the whole purpose of this. It's not to be a foundations class. As much as I have had to fight the the, the uh, wherewithal within me to want to teach these concepts, um, it is very much just to be more a dissemination of here we stand. And so uh, right, wrong or indifferent, agree or disagree, it, can you come to a place that after we show you where we stand on these concepts, I can you can choose to either agree and move on with this or perhaps maybe, hmm, I don't know. I, I have some major disagreements with a couple of very critical things. I probably don't want a fellowship here. So that's what this class is all about. It's a new members class, and we wanted everyone to go through it. So not just new members, but everyone, that even folks that were founding members in the church. And so that's why you all are here. Thank you for your faithfulness to it, and uh, we're just going to get started. I think you all will remember that we left off with about three um, final foundational elements to discuss, and we're going to quickly go through those. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, and then we're going to get right into the ministries of the church and, and, and then have an opportunity for some questions and answers. So um, <clears throat> last week we left off on spiritual gifts, and uh, Caleb got me... Got me sidetracked on talking a little bit more uh, about a specific aspect in terms of the gifts that God may have given you. I'm, I'm not going to go into this. You need to listen last week to to what we covered here. But I do want to address this very, very quickly and want to reiterate. It was really kind of a, a, a planted question. I didn't plan him, but he planted himself on my behalf in terms of asking if and when I feel like the Holy Spirit moves upon me in one of the nine spiritual gifts for them to, to come in operation in the body, okay, in the context of body ministry, body service, like, i.e., Sunday morning. What is the protocol? I mean, what is it that you all demand? Can I just stand and deliver? Can I just go ahead and exercise that that uh, opportunity uh, based on the grace I feel that God's given me? Or, or do I need to, uh, you know, submit myself to the pastor or to one of the leaders or something? And the, the answer to that question was, I just want to reiterate this so no one is confused about this we do ask that you would go to to pastor cj and just tell him what you feel like the holy spirit is impressing upon you and many of us have done that sitting in this these chairs many of us have done that 
Go and talk to Pastor CJ, and uh, in his absence, he will name an alternate, someone, you know, before he leaves. He's done that before. You know, Todd's in charge or whatever, whoever's in charge. And you should go to that person and then uh, just tell them, you know, that you feel like you have an impression in terms of uh, bringing it, needing to deliver a word or whatever, and then go from there in terms of uh, permission to give it in front of the body. I think everybody can understand the importance of that because we don't want people just jumping off and popping off and doing whatever they want to do and potentially hurting the flock. We just don't want anything like that happening. We take that role very, very seriously. So I just wanted to reiterate that again. So let's move on to stewardship. I'm also going to tell you that I have, we have a handout for you. So do not leave without getting a handout. Okay. Remember, I promised that the first class, you're going to get a handout with all of these points and all the information that we've conveyed here in a more condensed version than my talking head version. And, uh, uh, so please pick that up for your reference and don't file 13 it. Go home and put that somewhere where you can pick it back up and say, now wait a minute, what they discuss about this and that. And if you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to come and talk to one of the elders. Talk to Pastor CJ. Come and talk to me. We will get you an answer one way or another if you have questions about this. So please don't leave here without getting your hand out. Okay, so stewardship. We've got three more subjects here in the foundation. Let's talk about stewardship. Actually, uh, Pastor C.J. Cornell and myself, we did kind of a trifecta presentation on this concept, if you'll recall, about, I don't know, it was probably a couple months ago. And so uh, <clears throat> I would encourage you to go back in the archives and the, uh, available on the web in terms of the services to uh, to pull that up because we go into a little bit more detail in terms of where kind of the leadership stands about this. But I'll just give you kind of this, the short of it. Bottom line is we believe the Bible teaches plenty about giving whatever you i mean however you want to package it however you want to call it however you want to get serious it, to whatever degree whether it's tithing whether it's offering whether it's first fruits whether it's last fruits whether it's middle fruits the bible teaches from start to finish about giving and in fact i think you'll remember um the particular point that all of us emphasized in different ways who do we, who are we aspiring to be like? We're aspiring to be like our father. Aspiring to be like his son, Jesus. And our father is love. I mean, he's love, capital L, not just the virtue of love, but he is love. He is. Love is a person. It's not just a virtue. It's a person. And that person is our father, God. That's his very essence, his love. And what is his language? What is the, what is the, uh, uh, interaction, if you will, or the proof or exhibit of that love? It's giving. And we talked about for, uh, John 3.16, everyone knows that. For God so loved, he gave. So I can see that the expression of my father's virtue, who he is as a person, is first and foremost primarily expressed through, through giving. That's the action. That's the language, if you will, of love is giving. And so whether that is giving, and so the bottom line is the church believes in that. Church believes it is absolutely an evidence and a result of who the Father is. And so we, too, model that as well. And the expression of giving can take many forms, but the basic action in the church context is in tithes and offerings. Tithe representing 10%. Um, you know, there is some, that's negotiable. We're not sitting here. The word tithe means 10%. That's not negotiable. Okay. But the concept of giving your tithe 
And whether you're going to call separate this part and call it tenth, whether you separate this part and call it offering, whether you separate this part and call it a, uh, oh, what do they call it, the offering above and beyond the tithe and all this kind of, there's all kinds of, 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 uh, teaching, you know, uh, some of it good, some of it bad, some of it with a lot of heavy oppressive element to it. <laughs> and that's not what we're about. You know what we're about? We're about what Paul said. Each man should give as he decides or she decides in his or her heart to give, not reluctantly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We believe in your giving based on what your heart motivates you to do, not on compulsion, not on demands made from the, from the pulpit, not on pressure. But we believe as an expression of the Father's nature and in, in, in you that giving is going to be a natural thing. Without question, it's a natural response, a supernatural response, if you will, a spiritual response. And so, um, yes, the church believes in giving. Yes, we want your tithes and offerings to be given here. Because guess what? We've got a lot of material need to support from a perspective of ministry base. Uh, the chairs you're sitting in, the, the church that we, we love so much here in terms of the building and the facilities all take money to continue maintaining and to pay for the light bill and all that good stuff. So it does take monetary, uh, uh, gifts, but guess what? Time is money too. And, uh, time and service, we cannot emphasize enough in terms of the importance of that aspect that we desire to, to receive as church leadership in terms of, of giving as well from the, from the congregants. So very, very important, the stewardship concept. Bottom line is everything you have, including the breath in your lungs, is God's. Everything. And so, uh, for you to sit in a, for us to sit in a place, we believe that you would, uh, expend that without any thought for anybody else but your own, uh, person is wrong. I mean, you don't live your life for yourself. You live it for God in service to other, to, to him first and men and, and women on this earth to promote the kingdom of God. And that's giving. Okay, so the Bible truly does convey that it's it's more blessed to give than receive, and there's a host of, of uh, references for that. Let's move on to the next subject, end times. Um, very much negotiable. I usually try to end, end each one of them. Stewardship, the, the concept of stewardship in the Bible in terms of us being good husbands, if you will, or stewards of what God's given us, that's non-negotiable. You, you don't negotiate that. We, there's, Jesus had a, he has got a couple very clear parables about stewardship and about what people did with the things that were given them and what they didn't do and then what ended up happening as a result. Stewardship is very much non-negotiable. But the concept, some of the concepts in it are, you know, I mean, we can talk like this is what we did on some of the other stuff, you know, previously about and have scripture and verse for each side of it. That's not what we're here to do. Church believes in giving. Church believes in tithes and offerings. Church believes we have to have monetary and time uh, aspects, you know, given to support the ministries here and the, the work of God. Okay, so in times, lots of opinion about this. And I'm going to tell you that I 100% endorse and agree with what Pastor CJ says. And, and a matter of fact, I'm going to say it this way because I had a, I had an interaction with a, a very dear friend of mine 
uh, back in February, and he's an evangelist by the grace of God. I mean, this guy just oozes evangelism. I mean, everything that he does is just evangelical in his motivation. Um, but you know what? It was just interesting. We just kind of we were just rattling, just talking about all kinds of stuff, and we ended up talking a little bit about about the end times and so forth. And he goes, you know, Greg, he said, I, I said something about, you know, you know, something about end times and, and, you know, what does he think and this and that. And he goes, man, I think Jesus ain't coming back for 500 years. And I, <laughs> and it took me by surprise for a couple of minutes, for a couple of seconds. And then I realized, oh, I know exactly what he's saying, because that's what I believe too. In other words, I'm going to be about the kingdom business up until Jesus cracks the sky. And I'm not going to worry about when he cracks the sky, how he cracks the sky, who he's going to take with him. I mean, for right now, you know, because I, I know I'm going because I'm looking for his appearing. That's kind of where he was at, too. Um, so as far as he was concerned, he was he he's safe. He's good in it. But the bottom line is his mind is not being occupied about the time and season of it. His mind is being occupied and filled with the concern for manifesting and growing the kingdom of God until Jesus does crack the sky and take us away. And that, to me, is the right attitude, thus saith Greg. I feel like that's exactly where we need to be. CJ said that in a no, no uncertain terms. I'm, I, I, I'm just like him, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-trib, no-trib. I, you know, whatever you, I, I'm not going to get caught up and hung up in the elements of that. Sure, I can sit down and have a theological debate with you about things and give you scripture and verse about stuff, but does it really profit anything in the, in the end? I mean, to me, you know, what profits is the concern that we keep doing the master's business until Jesus does crack the sky. And that, and the concern for me is to manifest the grace that God's put on my life in the form he's given it. The concern for you, I would teach, thus saith Greg, is to manifest the grace of God in its various forms the way he's given it for you to manifest, to grow the kingdom of God, to manifest it from a spiritual reality to a physical reality as well. You know, those kingdoms become the kingdoms of our Lord. That's what we're doing. So... So does the church, does NCF believe in end times? Do we believe Jesus is going to return? Yes, we do. Are we concerned about the time and the seasons and we're going to get caught up in a lot of the doctrine and, and put down pillars, you know, a found, uh, for the foundation in these um, issues? No. Because we're varied and sorted in our opinions too. But in the end, we've all aligned under one issue, and that's the way Pastor CJ iterated it. You know what? We're going to keep doing the kingdom of kingdom work until he comes. That's going to be our focus. Love God, love people. You know, that's our vision. You know, that's our mission. We're going to keep doing that until Jesus cracks the sky and then we're taken with him. We're known as we're known and, you know, the corruptible takes on incorruptible and we're, things change. Let's move on to the last thing. Morality. Boy, here's, here, you know, I saved the best for the last. Morality. Um... You know, there's a lot, there's so much about the concept of morality that really honestly divides the church in many ways and, and, and people in general, but even the church. Uh, sad to say, I'm talking about very simple concepts in my mind, in the way I look at scripture, very literally. I don't have to sit there with a, with this, you know, intense hours of, of, of digging and study in the Greek and that kind of stuff to be able to see very clearly what the, Scripture, I feel like, is clearly conveying about these issues. 
Um, but, but, but there are a lot of people that do, you know, uh, that are in the church, not necessarily our church, but just the church generally. Um, so let me just iterate to you our position. We believe in positions that are conveyed clearly in the Bible, you know, regarding these issues. And we affirm that forgiveness and restoration are available to all, to all. Everybody say all. They are available to all. That forgiveness and restoration is available to all who may have fallen in these areas. You all hear me? That's the position of the leadership. That's the position of NCF. You know, I heard a minister say one time that I've got a lot of respect for, and I've just, I just adopted that. I'm not about trying to be Mr. Original. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. The Holy Ghost is the one that brings it all out anyway. Let's give him all the credit and just be the vessels to pour forth his wine, right? But I heard him say, you know, with respect to, to uh, Jesus, he said, you know, a lot of people think that Jesus came and preached uh, you know, love and acceptance. That's not what he came to preach. He came to preach love and repentance. Y'all see that? He was first always motivated by transmitting, interacting on the basis of love. That's his father. That's the nature inside of him because he was of his father. And so his motivation was always love first. But then guess what it was? Go and sin no more. To the, you know, talking to the woman at the well, talking to the lady that was caught in adultery. Y'all remember these stories in the New Testament? It's, it was always about your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. What is the go and sin no more part? Repentance. Turn from what you've been doing. And so, that's the issue I think that happens a lot of times with this from the church's perspective in terms of how, not NCF, but just in general, in terms of how we look at this kind of stuff is almost like we come from a perspective of love and acceptance. We think Jesus, it's like we've distorted the reality of where Jesus was at in terms of, and when we look at the concept of like, well, love means we have to accept. No, love doesn't mean we have to accept. Right? No, love should be, and it, 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 love is a pure thing. It's not essential and an emotional origin. It's a spiritual thing, the love I'm talking about. And there's not conditions to it. And so, the, and the motivation is not based on, well, you know, let's just go ahead and just love everybody no matter what they're doing. It's not motivation to just say, oh, you know, I've got to love them, you know, even if they're doing this and doing that. Well, yes, you do have to love them in terms of keeping your heart open to be to minister the truth to them. But that doesn't mean that you co-mingle their facts with your truth and then call that good. Call that acceptance. You see what I'm saying in the name of acceptance? That's not what we're what we're to do, folks. I mean, what we're to do is to know the truth and be set free by it. And so with respect to these issues, see, here I go teaching. It's real rough not to get get off into teaching on this stuff. Bottom line is love and repentance. We believe in these issues that I'm going to iterate forth. If if they happen to be something that all of us have, have fallen in one way or another, guess what? First John 1, 9, hallelujah. 
Praise God for it. We believe in forgiveness. We believe in restoration. Yes, I'm talking about restoration. Hallelujah. And it says, you know, well, there's a lot of things that we could discuss, but in particular, we wanted to iterate our position on a few things. Number one, abortion. Without question, life begins at conception. Every one of us here are unified in that, unilateral. Without, without question, life begins at conception and it deserves the sanctity and protection afforded any human being at any age, whether you're eight or 80 or eight days conceived. It's all the same. That's our position on that. And if you, we feel like if you deny this by way of abortion, by choice, um, that it constitutes murder and it's one of the shameful and hideous acts for which our generation and culture are suffering great oppression and judgment. That's just the position of, of where we're at in it. Very plain. Homosexuality issue number two. Why do we have to iterate on d- these specific things? Like I said, there's many things we could discuss, but these happen to be kind of some hot button Issues that you hear kicked around all the time, you know, it's always about abortion, it's about homosexuality, it's about, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, there, there's th- about three or four big ones. So the next one is homosexuality, romantic relationships between members, you know, of the same sex, that's what homosexuality is, and we believe the Bible is exceedingly clear that that is forbidden. And it's not right. Um, and if you don't believe me, why don't you go to Romans chapter 1 and you get about halfway through the chapter and then tell me what else that's talking about. I mean, it tells very talks very clearly about women giving up their natural affections for the man and going for each other and same for the, for the man. And you know how all that gets started? Sorry, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach this a little bit or I'm going to give you a little bit of opinion here because the Bible is very clear in that Romans chapter 1. It says that they exchanged the truth for a lie. And and not just about homosexuality, the, the concept of, ex, of coming to a place that you look at those elements as being something on the same level as what God naturally intended is because you've come to a place that you've accepted the darkness as light. Yeah, reprobate mind. That's exactly what the scripture said. And, and, and remember what we talked about last week about, about spiritual truths, about if you limit your experience and your exploration of those truths only to your mind, you leave your spirit out of it. And you just, it's always only to the depth of your intellect and your mind and your ability that way. You're going to get off. And in fact, at some point in time, you're going to be divided against it. Because that's what it says. The natural mind is enmity. And so what happens is, is we get a lot of, a lot of church folks. I'm talking about even Christians. I'm talking about even spirit filled Christians that limit their experience and their interpretation of these issues to a mental one, to an intellectual one. And they listen to a lot of arguments that are outside the context and not founded upon the Bible and they sound really good. Why don't we just come back to the simplicity that this is absolute truth? And we compare it to this, and if it doesn't line up, then it let's spit it out. It's stubble. We need to spit it out. Let's eat the hay and spit the stubble out. And uh, it's very clear to, the, to leadership here with respect to that. Okay, so so that's Romans chapter one talking about that. Get some very specific things about that. 
And it makes it plain that people who engage in that, they do so to the dishonor of their own bodies. And it says that eventually God gives them over to reprobate mind. A brother talked, said that just a second ago. And, it's, and it can separate them from fellowship with God. I did not say it will separate them from relationship. I said it will separate them from fellowship. Okay? From fellowship. That means the ability to, you know, to interact with God and stay in communion with him. So too any sin, though. It's not just, it's not just homosexuality. Any sin. The only reason I'm, we're talking about homosexuality is because it happens to be a particular hot-button issue that you hear kick, the can kicked around all the time about. So this is just a particular issue. It's not that we're saying that's the only morality issue. It's not. Because guess what? We're going to talk about another one here. It's called marriage. You know, the bottom line is the church believes that marriage is a covenant relationship. It's not just a contract. It's a covenant relationship. It's between one man and one woman made for life, ratified by God, according to Scripture. And it's meant to be an expression of Christ's relationship with his church. We see that model. Uh, Paul brings it out so well. Okay, so there, there's a position on marriage. Sexual integrity. Here we go. We believe that sexual relations are to occur in the context of the covenant relationship of marriage only, period. That's it. To this end, we cannot support what we see today in, in the current scheme and culture of the willy-nilly free position of living together before marriage and experiencing things and touching things and testing the waters just to see how things are going to work because... No, that's hogwash from the church's leadership's position. We're very, going to be very clear about that, and we will not support that, uh, that. And so let me just go so far as to say this. If any of our leadership, anybody, you, you're not going to be, you, you better be expected to be confronted by the leadership if you are in a leadership position and it becomes known to us that this kind of stuff is going on. So I'll just repackage it that way in terms of the leadership's position on this. Okay? Because we don't, we can't support that. It does not convey the truth that we, that we see in the Word of God. It does not convey the kingdom of God correctly. So, and I put these on equal footing. We can talk about homosexuality. I can talk about just as equally sex before marriage, infidelity, lust, guys. And gals now in today's world, we can thank the Internet and a lot of reprobate mind for that. But anyway, so there it is. Okay, we finished with foundations. Woohoo! Glory to God. Okay. So if you can cue up the uh, presentation there, we're just going to talk real quickly about the ministries. Okay, so the core ministries, and this will be on your handout. Let's make sure my little laser point's working. It is working. Hey, um, real quickly, we'll just go through these core ministries. Um, and we don't say, we don't call these core ministries because we feel like everything else doesn't really matter and is not as valuable. It's just we're trying to com- kind of package the ministries from a perspective of things that are week in, week out, the, the concept of what our, what our uh, church uh, focuses uh, in ministry. Uh, of course, we've got the nursery, and we see Christy Cannon's name here four times. Is Christy in here? 
He's not. She's working the nursery. Imagine that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, actually, there's, yeah, we've got uh, six mentions. There actually is it. Yeah, so the canons are all three here. Just talk to them about the core ministries in the church. Well, let's leave it to that. But we have uh, obviously nursery, and then you can see the age and then the frequency of meeting or the offering of that core ministry. Um, like I said, the core ministry is being something offered week in, week out, week in, week out, and and other at, as scheduled. Um, toddlers or two to three uh, years, preschool, four to six, and then the covenant kids or the kids' church is seven to nine. Then we have uh, crew, which is a, a particular focus for 10 to 13-year-olds. That's Melinda Fosha. That's weekly on Sunday mornings. Um, youth, and most people are very well familiar with that. Uh, contact there is Todd, obviously. And now Caleb and Taylor Parker are the ones to talk with about the youth ministry in particular now as well. Um, child care weekly and other as we have special services in, in addition to our w- normal weekly Sunday service and Wednesday night. That's Christy Cannon again. And then MMOV, Mighty Men of Valor. Mr. Cornell Cannon is the leader of that weekly meeting of men 18 plus years and older. Uh, and then, wow, women of worship. Uh, that, that's the ministry for women 18 plus years. And that right now is not on a weekly basis, but Miss Lisa Ellis is the leader for that or the one in charge or contact. And I, I hear some rumblings of some plans for, you know, more development along those lines. So talk to her. But that is the, uh, those are the core ministries. So let's move on to the next one, the focus ministries. These are just particular areas of, 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 uh, uh, focus. Um, in anointing and focus in, in ministerial aspects. Uh, obviously, the worship ministry, that one's very familiar with. Todd's the one in charge of that. Father's Heart, everyone's very familiar with that. And several weeks ago, uh, quite a few of us actually went through the uh, Father's Heart School one. Stephen Burke is the local contact for that. And the frequency of that is just kind of as as they are planned, like we, you know, just like the uh, class we had about three or four weeks ago. Prayer ministry team, Pastor CJ is the one to contact about that. And you can see what that is. I mean, that's that's the folks that he refers to on Sunday morning about we have prayer ministry teams stationed in the back. If you need particular prayer ministry, that's what this is talking about. Uh, word ministry, um, this is a new uh, something new that we started, and I'm the one that's a contact for that. We're doing that on Wednesday nights. And that is, that is totally and completely a teaching focus to minister to the Word of God. Um, not to say that teaching doesn't take place on Sunday morning, but on Wednesday night, it will be teaching. That's, that's what it's about. It's about teaching the Word. Rest Home Ministry, Steve Irby is the contact for that. And I think that's a, a monthly, a monthly uh, outreach, right? So talk to him about that. And then family ministry, there's a whole lot of stuff under this, everything from growing kids to premarital counseling, um, love and respect. CJ, Pastor CJ is the contact for that, but a number of us have served in different capacities there. Um, so those are our focus ministries. Let's go to the service ministries. Um, there's a number of these here, and I don't have contact. We don't have contacts actually put on here. 
so I guess just go to Pastor CJ or one of the leaders with respect to someone to talk to about these particular uh, uh, service ministries. Everything from from usher to greeter, the welcome center, the kitchen team, sound booth, transportation, landscape and grounds. How many of y'all appreciate all the landscape and grounds efforts around here? Man, the ladies keep it rocking around here. It looks so good. I mean, we even get waterfowl to come in and nest. Did you all know that? We had a mallard hen that came and, and hatched off, what, nine or ten chicks? Right out here in this bed. And we didn't tell most people about it because we didn't want people going out there and, you know, harassing the thing. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Actually, that is kind of the truth. I think Ellen wanted to keep that on the down low. <laughs> Miss Ellen became the, mo- the second mother or the godmother of those ducklings. Okay, so, uh, and we're very grateful for all the people. Many of you all serve in different capacities through these service ministries. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and throw out here, this right here really comprises, in my mind, that's the nuts and bolts of what happens in so many ways. You know, the Bible talks about helps. These are helps, ministries. And, and, and the majority of people, guess where they're going to be? Right here in helps. Because guess what? We've got a lot of helps needed. You know? And the wonderful thing about all this, if you, I've said it once, once I've said it a hundred times and I'm going to keep saying it because it is the absolute truth. And that is every one of us going to get the same reward. We get to heaven. If we do what God gave us the grace to do every one of us, every one of us going to get the same reward. Every one of us from Billy Graham to me, to anyone in here that feels like they're the lowest man on the totem pole. If you do what God has graced you to do, it's the same wages. Same reward. Amen? Okay. Um, small group ministry. This is something that we have to a certain degree with a couple of the groups. And I think, you know, the Mighty Men of Valor is is kind of somewhat of an example of that. Um, but we've had this off and on through the, through, uh, uh, the church's uh, history. Where we have, you know, small groups, you know, meet at people's homes. Uh, small groups meet here. Um, the bottom line is the church is very much a believer in this because there's no way we can expect a weekly one-time Sunday morning experience to be the end-all, be-all to develop relationship between each other. It's just not going to happen. And and the way you develop relationship and you ha- have really true discipleship, the, the the nuts and bolts of true discipleship take place is in the context of these kind of this kind of a ministry, one on one meetings, going out with people, uh, you know, having them over to your house. I mean, I'm going to call that to a degree small group ministry. It's not it's not necessarily, you know, in the theoretical framework of what all of us are familiar from the concept of cell groups. I think that's what a lot of people co- uh, associate with this. But we do believe in this, and, and, and we are, are, are definitely working towards, I say we as the leadership, definitely working towards this happening, this being developed. Right, Pastor? Yeah, in our ministry framework. So this, it's, it's, it's a very important thing that we're moving toward as God uh, puts the wind behind it in direction. Missions. This is something I don't really need to talk a whole lot about. That's been a particular focus of our church, but obviously we believe in both local, 
That is community-based, community-focused uh, uh, missions, you know, outreach and so forth in ministry, as well as abroad. And a lot of the focus here has been in support of, of, of missions abroad, foreign missions, things outside the scope of community or our immediate community. And we have a, a particular point of emphasis for that in the missions conference every year. And that's coming up uh, when, Pastor Dell, July July 10 through 13, that's our missions conference. Church is very much a believer and supporter of that, both financially, both in financial and human resource. And we've sent quite a few missionaries from here, haven't we? Uh, Pastors Dale and, and CJ, quite a few folks have come from here for uh, uh, missions abroad, both in short and long-term uh, capacities. And then I just want to end just kind of emphasizing the vision and mission. I mean, every good organization has got a vision, has got a, and then how are you going to carry that vision out? And then I threw in, I told Pastor CJ before I came here, I felt like, you know, something that he said a lot. I said, you know, I think that's a great tagline. And, you know, a lot of organizations will even have it and take it to the, to, to the next level and have what's called a little tagline like Nike's is just do it. Everybody's familiar with that. Army is an army of one, you know. Um, you know, you can just set, you can think of a lot of different taglines like that. But the bottom line is, we're really here for one purpose, and that is to know God and to make Him known. That's really what it comes down to. We want to know God and make Him known. But how does all that take place? I mean, it takes place by first and foremost, our relationship with God, okay? Our love for Him. Our, and then through that love, our seeking for him and his will to be done. And to know him beyond just a, a shallow level or a religious experience, but to know him in a relational experience, day to day, even moment to moment. And then to take that concept and then bring it to people. That's the mission. That's how, that's how we accomplish this because guess what? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I ask. And you know what he asked? He said, all the commands could be summed up in this. What? Love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. I I don't know about you, but I think I see it right there. Do you all see that? That's exactly what the master said. And so we want to love God. We want to instill um, the passion for relationship. And not just the, the passion, but the reality of relationship. The fact that this is real, folks, this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't just a bunch of Dr. Seuss stuff and things you can read in books that sound like good good things that we want to you know dream about happening. This is real. And all of us sitting here, I believe, could stand and deliver testimony after testimony of the reality of their experience with God. And so but 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 it's not enough for you to have your experience. You need to take that experience and then deliver the concept of reality to someone else so that they can have their experiences with God and so on and so forth. So that's what it's all about, folks. And it's uh, 7.42. Dave got that clock changed, didn't he, Dave? Thank you, sir. I was expecting it to actually be like 7.45, and it's 7.42. Okay, Pastor CJ, did we cover what we needed to cover? Okay. (laughs) Okay.
I have a question. When I have, I don't know if it's a question, but when you talk about ministry, you I didn't see the group that meet on Tuesdays morning, led by Pastor L. I don't know. That would be a small group ministry. Small group? Yeah. We didn't identify like all the specific small groups. We just kind of lumped it all under the generalistic small group okay. type type heading. Okay. And second, you talk about the minist- um, the nursing home ministry. Mm-hmm. I think over there, I've, I'm kind of a little bit frustrated about it because uh, Steve is the only person who is involved in going in a nursing home. When Steve is out, nobody is there. And for the big church that we are, I think I was expecting maybe we could have not all the church to go to a nursing home, but at least a bunch of people being there to see those people and encourage them. But when it's only uh, one person going to a nursing home, I think we have to do something about it. I I agree. And I Pastor CJ agree. I think that's part of the reason in presenting this is to maybe bring the reality of things that people don't understand as even existing here. I mean, I don't know how many of you all even really, there may be some sitting here that didn't even know we had a a nursing home outreach on a monthly basis. So, Pastor CJ, you have any comment for that or anything to say? Well, that's just a a great example of one making that known because I'm sure over over the years people have heard about it. But people can assume that, oh, that's the nursing home. I'm sure there's a team of people that go and do that. Well, as George just mentioned, there is not a team. Sounds like there's a man. And if that's a desire in your heart to serve in that area, um, or if you're like, God, I want to serve, but I don't know what to do. Boom. There you go. Right there. A good place to get started. Start it just to love people. That's what our goal is, is to love on people. And so that'd be a great opportunity uh, definitely for that. There was discussion last week of some uh, a meeting quite a while back. Uh, bylaws were mentioned changing of bylaws and stuff like that. Um, are the bylaw and, and we were discussing this at MMOV on Sunday night, are the bylaws going to be edited, adjusted, etc., to reflect these non-negotiables as part of the foundation within the by- bylaws itself for the church? That's a good question, but I think that's one... Uh, the bylaws, as I understand them, are more a construct for the legality of our of the organization as NCF. That I don't know that these foundations are are a proper component for. I don't know if that's a good. Is that is, is that seem like one reason? I, I honestly do not 100 percent know the answer to that. Let me let me give a reasoning for this. With the way the world is going. Yep. And the way the, the, the laws are changing and, and things are being allowed, if this is the legality of the way that we're set up, it might be thought about so that when gay marriage is allowed in Oklahoma, probably not if, but when, and if it's part of our bylaws and set up at this way that we're going, if anybody were to try to utilize this building for that, it would be that we have the grounds that it's not just what we preach, but it's also the bylaws and the, the, the tenets in which 
we have written up for the church. It's just something to think about. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, and I am not an attorney. And can't 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 tell you whether or not what what what's in there. Yeah, I I can't I don't know enough about it to answer it at all. Well, to answer somebody, I think Ron, your question earlier, we will be uh, looking at the bylaws, making sure that things are coherent and line up and everything. Matter of fact, I have the bylaws out and we have an elders meeting tomorrow. We'll start some discussion on some of these things. So yes, we will. Do we do want to make sure that they do line up and everything is, is coherent? So yes to your question. Who had their hand? Somebody have their hand up? That's a, that was good, Ron. Uh, I think to kind of piggyback on um, Ron was asking, um, like he said, one of the key things in my, that he said, and it ran, did rang out last uh, Sunday, is that as the federal government encroaches on church as a whole, and as they dictate, as they had dictates, mandates, um, will, will, I guess essentially, but this is what I'm asking, what I would be asking, what I'm asking, you know, will we be as committed to the scripture? And because there are some ministries, national ministries, where, they're, where the leadership boldly speak and say, I will not bend where other ministries just, just roll right over as the wind blows them. That's a good question because I've been thinking about this as, as we've been talking about these things. You know, there could come a point in time and there probably will be a time when the government, all these 501c3s, which we happen to be, you know, we, we get this status for tax benefits so that you can write checks to the church and get a tax benefit. Well, there may come a point in time where the government says, okay, to keep your 501c3 status, you have to abide by this. And if that Contra, is contrary to the word of God, then guess what? We lose our 501c3 status and you don't get your tax break. So, um, so yes, uh, I know these men on our, as far as the elders and leadership, I know that's not even a question. Um, but, and that's a good point to bring up because that, that probably will come a point in time when that happens. Yeah, that's an unfortunate consequence. Uh, there's always give and take. Well, in order to get that tax-deferred status as a 501c3, and again, I'm not an attorney, but the bottom line is there's give in that. And the give is you can't promote any person from a political standpoint. You can't do this. You can't do that. And eventually the can'ts may envelop the things, Ron, you're talking about, the things, Aaron, you're talking about, to where it even gets back to the real non-negotiable issues. And uh, I can tell you... As I stand before you and God, I could not care less about whether I get tax deferred. Well, sorry to say something, but <laughs> it begins with an S. That, yeah, because my giving, to, I don't, I'm not giving to get that back. Forget that. And and I believe I can speak for the leadership here, and I can also tell you that I know in the ELT meeting we had to, we've had some discussions along as we're we're at the place we feel like. At some point in time, we may end up in places, particularly the leaders, as we say things, 
that line that are that as we speak the truth of the word of God, we may end up in jail over it. Well, the cool thing about it is we'll be in good company because I can read back through the whole Bible that was written. The majority of the New Testament was written by, in jail. <laughs> yeah. And where I can say without question, uh, you know, and I'm not saying this just to raw, raw or extend this, but I can say without question, I know the leadership and integrity of my pastor, of Todd Tovar, and all these leaders here, of Ken Hall, of Cornell Cannon in particular, and um, Caleb on the ELT, and then our elders. I know I can speak without question. We'll go to jail. That's what it takes. Well, we review that on your... statement. <laughs> I'm just telling you, though, that that's our commitment to the truth. And if we're not committed to that truth, then I'm going, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> okay. Greg. All right. It's me. Okay. <laughs> dread, dread. I do want, I want, this is not my question, but I think maybe I had told CJ this. The question came up about membership. And I know 35 years ago when uh, Charlie and I set up our 5013C, the attorney there advised not to have membership lists for protection. And the reason that, and I, I saw that happen, uh, like we, Charlie and I belonged to the Board of Realtors in El Paso when we were in El Paso. And, uh, of course they have members, they have membership. And, um, when a lawsuit came against that, the Board of Realtors, Everyone in, in, every member of that board had to come up with the money to, so there is a protect, you know, you know if you're a member of the body of Christ, but I know there's a lot of denominations especially that put a high regard on being on a membership list, but there's another side of that I just offered. My question was, are you, <laughs> are you going to list what's negotiable and what's non-negotiable and if you want to talk about a negotiable how do you go about talking about a negotiable well i uh you know i got to look in here on my notes i have it listed very clearly on my notes i we as i sit here and look read through this i don't put negotiable or non-negotiable i we didn't put that on on the handout you all are getting but uh i'm See, this is this is what we would call a living document. <laughs> In other words, it's subject to change as we as we adapt and amend according to some of the feedback we get, and we figure out what we need to do and what we need to cut, cut out and that kind of stuff. And we can make sure we get that on there, right, Pastor? You support that? So, uh, yeah, without question. And I was, and if you don't know, go back through the tapes because I I think I iterated it for every point. Did I not? Okay. Negotiable issues I want to talk to you about. Oh, yeah. Okay. See there? My own mother, it's all in the family. My own mother-in-law. That's my mother-in-law if you didn't know that. I'm a, I'm, the, me standing before you is largely a product of, of her and, and her husband's ministry from a spiritual standpoint. So anyway. I had a question since you had the um, all the inf- information about the different ministries. Uh-huh. Uh, so... If I wanted to go back and help with the Welcome Center or help with transportation, do I literally 
go talk to Pastor CJ after church? Or is there another way we can know exactly who to contact? Because some of the new people here may not know all the names that you had up on the screen. That's absolutely the case. That's absolutely right. And I, the default is always Pastor CJ. I mean, I, sorry, Pastor CJ, but he, he, he knows he's got to take that on. I mean, it's just all there is to Well, one thing we realized is we did forget to put the names of the people in charge of those ministries. We did. It's like rats. I made all those copies. Yeah, <laughs> I know like, it. Oh, man. But, um, if you, if there ever is a question, like, you know, I really have a desire to, to learn about this or get involved in this ministry. Uh, you can ask me and I can say, hey, why don't you talk to so-and-so? Uh, like I was talking to someone earlier and I said, hey, you might want to talk to Christy Cannon because she's in charge of the, all the children. So if you have a desire in that area, just like now, if, if you have a heart to work with senior citizens and rest homes and that kind of thing, talk to Steve Irby mm-hmm. um, or women's ministry, Lisa Ellis. And uh, as far as I can remember, I can tell you now, as far as the usher, George uh, Bacalou, George is back there going to say something. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if, let's see if they're here. Would you people please stand up? Let's see, greeter. What does what show the people? So George is the usher. Yeah, George is the head usher. So George, would you stand please so everybody can see you? Okay, and the, let's see, <laughs> greeters. Would that be, so I'm not sure. So Ken, talk to Ken Hall. Who's the? Oh, Caleb. Where are you at, Caleb? If you have any That's questions what... about any of the volunteer ministry, talk to Ken because <laughs> he's kind of head of that. Uh, kitchen ministry team is Leanne Barton. Wave at us, mm-hmm. Leanne, stand up. So if you have a desire to serve in that area, sound booth would be Omid Burke right there. Beautiful man right there. Uh, transportation would be Mike Harper. Where are you at, Mike? <laughs> That's then, a good idea. I do rem- recall, though, when we are going through this, Pastor, the, the reason why we didn't put names is because things had changes. changed quite yeah. a bit yeah. on this and helps. That's it true changes. because once this document comes out, it might have already, the names might have already changed. Exactly. That's why we didn't put them yeah, on. Yeah, that was. Okay, yeah. I forgot about that. So, but let's, you know, now, and the last person, landscaping grounds would be, uh, Stephen Burke, and he's not here. Um, he looks like Omid a little bit, so that's how you can tell. <laughs> Except for the lot. No, different colored hair anyway. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, that would be the default because, and I do remember explicitly, guys, remember when we were going through that, that we left the names off on purpose because it just changed so much. We were concerned about the longevity of the document accuracy, so. Oh, oh, you're talking about people that serve routinely in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So that's something we need to think. If somebody's taking notes, somebody from the leadership team, please help us remember that. Uh, these suggestions. We need to, uh, actually, I've got a pencil. We need to include that, the, some contacts, just general, general contacts. And there's a lot of good information in the bulletin, uh, particularly like on the back. It has the active uh, as far as I know, it may not be updated, but as far as the small groups that do meet, uh, like I know Jean Shea, well, she had one. Um, then Dale Barnes is on Tuesday mornings. Sheila has one. Is hers on there? Is it on the back of the bulletin? Is it? Okay, so if you look on the back of the Sunday bulletin, that does also have some information. On the inside, it has the list of elders. 
Um, so it's a good idea to have heads of ministries so that even in a bulletin so that people can um, – so we on a weekly basis. We elders on here. Huh? We don't even have the elders on we this forgot, either. Yeah, we haven't put the elders on there. So <laughs> this is a learning process for us. Exactly. Yes. Please keep spitting out the good comments. Anybody else have any questions? On the issue of morality, um, when someone does make a mistake, they mess up. Whether well, sex before marriage, homosexuality, uh, abortion, whatever. How, yeah. how is that going to? How are we going to love those people when they do repent? Or how is that? How is that going to be dealt with? Because a lot of people, you know. When they're listening to this and they say, okay, uh, I'm sleeping with a girlfriend right now, how is that going to be dealt with? Or back in my past, I might have done something bad with something. How is that going to be dealt with as the person becomes involved in the church? Well, I think primarily... I'll, I'll take a stab at this and then turn it over to you, Pastor. But uh, I, what comes immediately to mind is the dealing with is got between them and God first. And 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 at, when they come to the knowledge of the truth, there should be, you know, as as a Christian with the Spirit of God within them, there should be a drawing to that to that in the law that's written on their heart at that point in time. And then, because we've seen it time and time again, where they'll actually come to the leadership, in particular, Pastor CJ or one of the elders. I mean, I've, I've had people come to me even, and they want to talk, and they want to be rid of this. You know, they want to make a correction. And I am a firm believer in praising in public and, and then correction in private. I mean, I know there's some scripture and verse and some people want to pull it out and wield it like a sword and say we need to bring them up before the congregation and stuff. I'm not going to go there. That's thus saith Greg. I'm, I'm a praiser in public and a, and a correction in private person. I'm not going to make a, make a, I don't believe it's my position to do, to make an error as a leader of that. CJ, what, how would you respond? Well, also, you know, obviously repentance is, is a, is something that's needful. Um, but in any situation, the goal is to restore. The goal is yep. to bring help, encouragement, and uh, healing in that area. And that's why we have ministries that offer help in that. Because we do have people that have um, struggled or been through some very horrendous things. And we believe that God can heal them all. And there's grace for every single person, every single sin, and that kind of thing. So it is grace and mercy. God delights in mercy. And that's our stance is to help. You know, if people, if there's a leader that um, is in sin and, and they're non-repentant, then that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, there's a dealing with and um, kind of deal with the process as we move along. And also, too, <clears throat> in the church, you know, when people, you know, because people live their lives and they do what they're doing and we may not know about it. Um, when you're in a person's in leadership or they say, you know, I want to be held accountable, you know, that, that voluntary accountability, then that's what gives us permission to speak into their lives. Me being the pastor doesn't give me the right to speak into all of your lives and say, hey, you right. need to quit this, you need to quit all that. 
It's a voluntary submission on your part saying, you know, I want to be held accountable because I want to grow. And that's, that's part of discipleship. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but in general, that's how we deal with it. I guess my question was, when you, when you do in the one-on-one classes, when you do the, the morality issues, people can be easily condemned when you um, sit down and say, this is where we stand. And they look in their past and they say, okay, I don't fit this church then. Mm-hmm. There, needs to be, th- there needs to be kind of a clause in there that there is repentance and there is restoration. There is. I started that whole discussion out saying that exact thing you're right. saying. Right, you started, but you didn't finish it. And because of those, there are such deep issues, you also need to finish it with restoration. Okay. I mean, I feel like that I did do that. Right. Well, actually, so, in your presentation, you did. You did. You started sure. off even before you started the grace and, and uh, all that you did start off. He did start off that way. Is that a, before you got there, Cornell were having, and I were having a discussion about that very thing, and then you did it. So it's like, okay, you took care of it. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Mike, with that. You're absolutely right. I mean, that, and that's the reason why I started that whole thing out with that. To found it and to be the framework for it. So. End it with restoration. Yeah. Yeah. I think what Mike is saying that even though it shared the first, when you then start going into those other things, they may, somebody may forget that that was shared. And so then to end it with. Lace it all the way through. Yeah. I think, is that correct, Mike? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. It's it's, it's eight o'clock. Was there any hot burning questions? Take one more. Well, this isn't a question, but it's just a comment. Regardless of where the leadership stands on morality issues. There's always going to be times when other people in the church body say something, and if you've got a history, you're liable to take offense. And so, you know, we have to just basically be in relationship with new people and with each other. So if you take offense, someone can talk to you and remind you of the verses that say in the end days, people will take offense and their love will grow cold. And remember that we're all growing in that, and we don't have to think it's a reason to leave because one person might have said something a little harsh and we got our feelings scraped, you know. So sure. it's just a, you know, it doesn't affect our stance. It's just, it just affects us growing in love. Excellent point. Excellent point. Okay, did we, can we shut it down now? Since Or do we need to go on, Pastor CJ, yeah, we it's after eight o'clock. Yeah. We need to honor honor our word. Now, listen. One thing we want to encourage and remind you guys is that we, as leaders, the elders, we're open to discussion. We invite and we ask that you would come if you have any questions about any of this, because I know we didn't clear up everything and everything is 100 percent understood. We probably even <laughs> caused more questions than we answered. <laughs> but we do want to have the kind of relationship and hopefully. 
you know by now that we are open for you to come and talk to us. You don't have to set up a meeting to talk to all the elders, but if you want to talk to me or talk to Pastor Dale or Ken, or, or if you just say, can I talk to you about this? I'm confused about this, or I'm struggling with this. We wanted to work this out together. Okay, that's our desire, is so we can come together and move forward and be effective. That's plain and simple. That's what we want to do, okay? So if you have any questions even after tonight or after right now, please feel free uh, to talk with us. Hey, and if it makes you dig, we've done our job. Because the Bible doesn't say, uh, you know, read to show yourself approved. It says what? Study to show yourself approved. So if it makes you dig, we've done our job, right, Pastor CJ? Yeah, we want you to dig. We want you to, to do that. So, I mean, please do that. Please go and prove it out. <laughs> All right, you're dismissed. And don't forget the handouts. Pastor CJ has them back there, so maybe we can get a couple of uh, volunteers to help get those handed out to people. Thank you all. Thank you.